Hallelujah. Glory. Uh, I want to thank those of you that six sent text messages to me this week and prayed and called. <laughs> Boy, they meant a lot. It's a rough time. But I'm not going to get in much into that, but uh, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> nine days. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, nine days, but... Uh, <laughs> And I'll leave that alone. It was, you know, the worst thing about it was sleep. Couldn't sleep. Now I know when people are caught in prison while they deprive them of sleep so they can tell on themselves. It's not fun not sleeping for eight or nine days. But I'm sleeping now, and I'm sleeping a lot. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm glad to be here. I, I wasn't sure. I told Pastor, ah, you might want to make some other plans, man, because... It's Thursday night and Wednesday of this week, and mm, it ain't looking good, big dog. I said, I'll let you know Friday. He said, yeah, please. I, I got somebody, and I said, okay, you might have to call him. But uh, I woke up Friday morning uh, with the assistance of Miss Taylor Averett, but uh, I followed her instructions, and, and of course, forgive me, Lord. I prayed and, and believed you first with the assistance of medication. I'm here. Got to give him the glory, don't we? Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, we, we know that it's the will of God for us to be healed by him. We know that. But thank God for medication that's, that we still have now to make us better. Let's not be over-spiritual. We know the will of God. The apostles never died of sickness. They were never sick. They, were, they didn't die of sickness. And they were just men like we are. And they lived good, healthy lives. But uh, uh, I'm night and day better, night and day. Uh, didn't spend much time in prayer at all during those eight or nine days. I'll just tell you, oh, but you're going to hell, Mo. I didn't do much praying, but I did a lot of everything else. But I want to thank God for, a lot of people call me sometimes, people from, sometimes I get text messages and, from people from other states I don't even know. And they say, we like when you talk about your wife. Because you talk about your wife a lot. And let me tell you, I need her a lot more than she needs me. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. And what she does for me as a spouse, as a godly spouse, I forget sometimes that she's a human being. <laughs> I forget that she gets up in the morning and makes me breakfast and works and comes home and makes me dinner. And, and I forget that she's a human being and not a robot. But what she does for me as a godly wife and gets up in the morning, okay, honey, I got your CD player outside, your CDs, I got your B12. It's on the, on the, on the, it's on the swing. There's your eggs with no yolk, two corn tortillas. There's your cayenne pepper. Thank you, Miss Barbara. And um, I take them, and my day starts. And 10 or 11 o'clock, I'll get my first text message. Just checking on you, sweetheart. Okay, 12 o'clock, I'm going to the gym. 1 o'clock, I'm back from the gym. And just, she really, like, she is still raising a child. 
she's just, people always saying, you talk about your wife a lot. I said, yeah, well, she's pretty incredible. She was incredible when I was no good. And she's more incredible, well, I'm a little bit better now. But she stood by me for all these years. In fact, where's she at? Is she in here? She's not in here? Oh, my. Go get her. Somebody go get her real quick. Go get her. Please, somebody. But what she's done, she's really, and sometimes, and I'm going to get on with the lesson. We're going to have a good time. And sometimes I have to tell her, look, just go. Her new friend is Miss Sosa, which is Nathaniel's girlfriend's mom. She's a good friend of Miss Sosa. I said, just go with Miss Sosa. Just go. go. She, my wife loves high-priced thrift store in Goodwill. <laughs> That's what she likes. Yeah. Where's my wife at? Huh? Okay, she's not coming in right now. Hold on. If things go a little different, Ms. Gay, just be prepared to come up. We'll wait for a phone call. Well, anyway, somebody be prepared, be prepared to come up. But I might, I might have to leave. But uh, Father, in Jesus' name, right now, I pray for my boy. I pray for quitting right now, Father. I don't know how severe it is, Lord, but I pray your comfort and healing I pray Lord that whatever has happened that you'll be in the midst with him comforting him father I pray that the authorities are on scene I pray that justice be served my Lord whatever has happened I pray justice be served, Lord. Comfort him now, Father. Comfort him now, my Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Quinn, rise up. Rise up, son. I pray for you every day, son. You're going to make it. You will follow Jesus. You will. No distraction, Lord. I pray your comfort in his life right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm just going to keep going forward, man, till I hear different. Hallelujah. Glory. But my wife is a pretty awesome woman of God just like many of you are she just what she's done is just or what she does is incredible and I thank God for her because she knows what I'm called to do in God hallelujah glory Glory to God.
Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I'm going to continue. John said this, starting in, I'm not going to preach the epistle of John, I'm just going to thrust out of John, chapter 4. John said this, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Here's Christianity. God dwelleth in him. That's Christianity. God dwelleth in us, and we in him. John said this, and this is not what we're going to minister out of. We're just using this as a starting point. John said, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Now that statement is not a lie, but it's what? If it's not a lie, then it's what? Truth. John quoted truth. He said, we have seen and do testify that the Father, the Father for the truth sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Now what is truth? God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. God sent Jesus to be our Savior because we were all lost in sin. That's truth, right? John quotes truth and said, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father sent Jesus to be our Savior. That's truth, right? So, Proof that I believe the truth is in the very next portion of Scripture. If we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in us. Because we confess the truth. If Jesus is the Son of God, then Jesus is the Savior of the world. So the truth that John spoke regarding God's worth, we believe that truth. Since we believe that truth, he is our Savior. And we believe the truth that John spoke, then he is our Savior, and he lives inside of us. That is Christianity. God lives inside of us. Simplicity, right? But so powerful. That's Christianity. So knowing that portion of truth and believing that portion of truth Jesus is our savior our sins have been remitted our conscience has been purged by the blood of the lamb amen we start there now we're going to talk a little bit about the book of Thessalonians there's two books first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians first Thessalonians has five chapters second Thessalonians has Three chapters. Thessalonica, or Thessalonica was a port city, the second largest city in Greece. 
They were Gentile believers. They had converted over to Christianity. Now Paul addresses these cities, these believers. Now the culture of that city was idol worship. That is what they practiced in Thessalonica prior to Christianity. They had temple prostitutes. Now, if a prostitute is in the temple, I think you can figure out what was going on in the temple with prostitutes. They worshiped idols. They worshiped their God. They offered up sacrifices by having sex with prostitutes in the temple to their God. In Christianity, well, you, you don't have to be a Christian to know that's wrong, right? But that was the culture of that day. So Paul writes these two short epistles to strengthen the brethren, the brethren that have confessed truth. What's truth? That God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And if we confess the truth, the truth is that the truth now lives in us because God is in us. And if God is in us, then love is in us because God is love. And as he is in the world, then so are we. He's loving the world, and he's loving the world and lives in me, and I am love. I have perfected love inside of me. If me and him are one as we accepted Christ, if me and Jesus are one and he is love, and we are one, and the one dwells in me, and I'm one with him, then I am love. I might not always act like it, but make no mistake. We have a habitation of love inside of us. Now it's up to us to abide in that love. We can't recreate love, but we abide in love. Because as he is in this world, so are we. He is love. He's in us. And if the one that's in us is love, and we're one with him, then we are love. You got to know that. Don't strive for it. It's there. Just obey it. Don't strive to recreate the will. The love of God is in you. It's perfected. Just abide in that love. Amen? Huh? Okay, I misunderstood Carl. I thought he said my son got stabbed. No, he got stopped by a cop. <laughs> okay. That's maybe why I continued. I checked for peace and the peace was still there. So me, but Carl, you said stabbed. And well, oh. I held my peace pretty good though, didn't I? Oh. Because you go by the anchor of peace, don't you? I didn't feel a disturbance. I, I felt the dad rise up in me. My son, oh God, my son just got stabbed. But then I just checked my heart and I just didn't feel. You, you understand, you're a mature bunch. <sighs> oh my God, my son just got stabbed. He got stopped. And was taking him to jail, but Miss Rosie, I guess, he didn't go to jail. He don't have a license, but he's coming to church now. He didn't get stabbed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And by the way, that boy's come a long way. 
I got him at the age of eight. His mom and dad died of a damnable disease. He got caught eight years old selling drugs, slinging drugs, and we came to our house at the age of eight, and he never went home. And he's been in and out of jail his whole life, and, but working two jobs, got his own place, loves his kids. Not perfect, but he'll know Jesus because his dad prays for him, and I do. If you're close to me, you're blessed. I'll tell you why, because I pray for you. I really do. My new friends, Miss Sosa, her family, and I pray for them all, just like they're their own, my own children, my own family, I pray for them. I feel confident when I pray for people. Something's going to happen. I believe they're all going to be born again. Why pray? If you don't believe your prayer is going to affect people, then just be quiet and don't pray. So I pray. And if, and if you're my friend, I pray for you. Well, even if you're not my friend, I still pray for you. Anyway, let me get back to the lesson. So Paul is addressing the church at Thessalonica. Very perverted place. Very perverted. Uh, have sex with a prostitute in a temple, that's pretty bad. They gave themselves to idol worship all the time. Completely contrary to the word of God. Now we're going to glimpse through the first five chapters of Thessalonians. I'm going to mention a, about a minute or so what each chapter has in it. And then we're going to then we're going to teach a little bit in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So bear with me, okay? So Paul says this in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Of course, you know I have to exhort. I've got... Now, I could work hard and sound real impressive in front of you and quote every scripture and say 1 John chapter 3 verse 9, Matthew 6 verse 4. I could sound real impressive in your eyes and do that. Well, that's not impressive. Seeing the image in the word of God is impressive. It's much more important than making you believe that I got these 15 different verses memorized because I know the chapter and verse and quality that can sound real impressive. People want to sound impressive a lot. But you want to impress, you don't want to impress the people. You want them to feel the image of the image that you see of God inside of that epistle. That's what you want to see the image so that the body of Christ will be edified. Amen. That's all we want. I don't want to impress you with what I know. Because in, in other words, I'm not really doing anything but preaching in absolute vanity. But if I can partake of the scripture, see the image in the scripture, be edified by the image, and then relay the mind of Christ to you, that's what he wants. So Paul says, to the church at Thessalonica, chapter 1. Don't look for it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. He said, you become followers of us and of the Lord. He's speaking to the church at Thessalonica, a church that has forsaken temple prostitution, sleeping with prostitutes in the temple, and idol worship, a very perverted lifestyle. But Paul says, because they gave their life to Christ in this culture, in this city of perversion. So he addresses them. 
he writes to them the mind of Christ to allow them to help them to renew their thought process that they're not that kind of person anymore. They're not Gentiles that aren't born again anymore. Now they know Jesus. So here's Paul's instruction, the mind of Christ to these believers. He said, you became followers of the Lord. I'm paraphrasing and of us because you've received the word in much affliction with joy and the Holy Ghost. Now listen carefully now. Paul was talking to a church that had just received the gospel. But notice what he said. You became followers of us and of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. Now Paul, now see, us in the United States, we have not received the word with much affliction at all. We received the word with much pleasantness. The stock market is great. Money's being made. Jobs are available. People are making money. You've received the word in much pleasantness. We don't have a clue. We don't have a clue what receiving God's word in affliction is. Now, if Paul says they received the word in much affliction, trust me, they did. Paul, could, Paul wrote books about the afflictions that he walked in. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. See, we don't know in the United States what it is to receive the word of God in affliction. We know what it is to receive God's word in pleasantness. We can buy what we want. There's day trading. There's money being made. Those things are not sin. But if they have you, if they have you, if that is the excitement of your day, if that tickles your fancy more than this does. Be real careful, man. Be extremely careful. I heard Alan Taylor say the greatest way, I think it was Alan Taylor or Pastor Bronk, the greatest way to get you off one vision is to give you two. If money excites you more than your quiet time with Jesus, you're already several degrees off. It's just a matter of time unless you recalculate and repent. We don't know what it's like to receive the word in much affliction. We've received the word in much prosperity. America is not perfect, but it is still by far the best place to live. Perfect? No. Side note, I pray to God, those of you in here, that you do not get involved in all that white supremacy junk that's on TV. Harry, come here, Harry, please. Renee, are you here? Or Carl, either one? Renee's here? Harry, right here, please. Renee on this side. Pretty please. Where you at, Renee? I can't see you. You know, I, I didn't say robot on me. Okay. Harry is what? Whoa. <laughs> Renee is 
Who said very black? <laughs> Harry's white. <laughs> Renee is black. And I'm a little brown. Now, you have to look at this spiritually. Don't blame a party. Don't blame politicians. Satan is in the midst of this. Satan wants us, where you at, Renee? Us, black and brown. He wants us to hate them. Satan wants to divide. He wants us, black and brown. He wants to bind us together to hate him. Don't you dare get, okay, sit down. Don't you dare get involved in that filth, man. Don't you dare get involved. Is there a racism in this world? Yes. There's a lot more good people in this world than there is bad, my friends. Another side note. Don't even give your opinion about it. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was killed by Romans. When Jesus was killed, the apostles didn't go start a Jewish Lives Matter movement. But they went and changed the world. Harry is not our problem. Satan is in the midst trying to divide this once God-fearing nation. I'm brown, I'm brown pride, 100%. I love my brown culture, but I am a Mexican-American first, covered by the blood of Jesus. Harry is my, I will lay down my life for Harry. I will lay down my life for Renee. There is no difference in us other than I'm better looking than both of them. Don't get involved in that filth, man. Do not get involved in that filth. There's racist white people, and there's racist brown people, and there's racist black people. And the ones that usually cry racism, they are guilty. Side note, I'll get on with the lesson. I have a son-in-law married to my oldest daughter, Priscilla. He's Hispanic and Puerto Rican. My older daughter is not my biological daughter, but I raised her since she was a baby. She is a mutt. She is a quarter Caucasian, a quarter Puerto Rican, a quarter Beaner, Mexican, and a quarter Seminole Indian. She's everything in her, everything. Now, my son-in-law, his name is Lewis Huffman. He is a great guy. He don't come to church, not yet, but he knows Jesus. He's not perfect. But he knows Jesus. He is black. He calls himself country cow. Go figure. He's black. My second oldest daughter's name is Julie. She is Mexican. Now, those four, real quick. I'm not adv advocating this music. I'm just saying they went to a concert. What's the name of that? Justin, what is it? Aldean, what is it? Who? Jason Aldean. A Mexican, a Puerto Rican, a black person, and a Mexican with 28 different races in there went to a Jason Aldean concert. Do you think they might have stood out? Possibly. 
I asked Julie, my daughter. I said, oh, Lord. You know there was a bunch of wranglers in that <laughs> arena? You know there was a bunch of boots and cowboys in that? I asked my son-in-law, Louis. Louis. Oh, Julie, can I ask you all a question? How many issues did you guys have at that concert? Dad, we had not one issue. Not one. Not one issue. In fact, that we met friends and ate dinner with some of them there. If you think a race is racist, you're going to look for anything that they say to find fault in their eyes. We don't get involved in that. Even if they are racist, it doesn't bother our love towards them. This is the standard that we live by. So you hate me? So what? They hated Jesus. Why aren't they going to hate me? That doesn't faze us. If a black person hates me, let them hate me. I love you back, man. I love you first. I don't care what race you are. I'm called to love you. Racism exists. It is not nearly not nearly even close to being what the news says it is. At all. Don't get involved in that filth, man. Don't even touch it. If your mind starts going there, start quoting the word. Don't get involved in that filth. It is a lie straight from the pits of hell. White people are not our problem. We have our own problems. They have their own problems. We think every white person in the world is a multimillionaire. No, there's very poor white people. Let's get out of that old mindset and see everybody the way they are. Americans, some good, some bad, but it doesn't matter. We have Christ in us, man. We judge nobody by who they are. No one. Amen? Let me get off of that. We developed two things this morning. My son didn't get stabbed. He got stopped. And my daughter went to a Jason Aldean concert. Amen. All right. I don't know where I got that from. But anyway, so Paul, so Paul says, you became followers of us and of the Lord. You received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost. They received the word in much affliction because let's say I tell Terry, uh, Harry, Sarah, Robert, Renee. By the way, guys, the Lord in a vision spoke to me last night. And we all, as a worship team and an associate of the church, we're all going to start a church in Baghdad, Iraq. Let's go. Do you think we would be accepted in Baghdad, Iraq with Christianity? We might be walking around headless. Seriously. We might be walking around headless. So now you know what the church at Thessalonica experienced. They were in this perverted culture, anti-God culture. But Paul said, you still receive the word of God, man. 
in this affliction, and you became followers of us and of the Lord with joy in the Holy Ghost. You were an example to all those in Macedonia. You received it in affliction, but it didn't phase you. He's not commending them because they were overcoming sin. He's commending them because they were standing strong in affliction because of the faith that they stood for. Now, the modern day church, we can't get over basic stuff yet. This Christian life is not always contending with adultery and fornication, man, or alcohol drinking or, 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 or abuse or cheating on your taxes. We overcome that stuff, man, at regeneration. Let's move on now to endurance. We're saved by grace. So now to the grace that we're saved by, let's add endurance, patience, and faith. And we're going to go on a little further. So he says in chapter 1, you receive Christianity in much affliction. He said in chapter 2 of Thessalonians, he said, you were treated, you were shamely entreated. He said in, verse, in chapter 2 of Thessalonica, regarding the saints in Thessalonica, he said, you're being shamely entreated. He said, but walk worthy of the Lord. Listen to his counsel. I know that you're going through the mill. I know that you're being shamely entreated. He said, so are we. He said, I'm telling you, walk worthy of the Lord. That's what he told him. You don't understand, but I understand. Walk worthy of the Lord. You're shamely entreated. He said, this is where we miss it. See, preaching the gospel is real easy. Anyone can do it. He said, we are imparting to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. But more than imparting to you the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are imparting to you our very own soul. It's easy to share Jesus. Another thing to share who he is inside of you with someone by conduct and by love. So he says in Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, you're being shamely entreated. He said, but Walk worthy of the Lord. Walk worthy of the Lord. We're setting up a pattern. He goes on to chapter 3. And on chapter 2, he says, I know what you're going through. The churches in Judea, you're suffering like they suffered. They killed Jesus. They killed the prophets. And they've shamefully entreated us. And now you're going through the same thing, Church of Thessalonica. So in chapter 3, he says, I know what I'm going to do. You've accepted the word in much affliction. Chapter 2, you're being shamefully entreated. Chapter 3, I'm going to send Timothy to see how your faith is. I know you're going through trials and tribulations. So I'm going to send Timothy to check on your faith. He must have been concerned a little bit. So he wrote this letter to encourage him. And he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you to see how you are. Timothy, go to Thessalonica, see how the saints are doing. Timothy goes, probably talks to the eldership there. They correspond with Timothy. Timothy decides, man, they're doing good. Timothy responds back to Paul. Paul says, we heard back from Timothy. And I must say, 
your faith in Christ is well. How do you know, Paul? He says, because you're standing fast in the Lord. In all the hell that you're going through, your faith is that you're standing fast in the Lord. Think about it now. They're going to the mill, man. They're being shamefully entreated, but they're hanging on to the gospel of the kingdom. See, we don't know nothing yet about the true afflictions of the gospel. Not in America, we don't. We can go and come all that we want. We can come to church if we want. We can miss church if we want. We're free to do whatever we want to do. We don't know what it's like to receive God's word in affliction. They do in Iraq. They do in Afghanistan. In communist China, if you talk about Jesus, they'll kill you. In Korea, they'll kill you. But here, we get to come freely to this altar, to this church, to the pulpit, to the seats, and just hear the word of God. And Paul says, I heard of your faith, church of Thessalonica. I hear that you stand fast in the Lord. The word stand fast means steadfast. It means you're stationary in the gospel, man. He says, I'm proud of you. Then he commends them. I'm almost at a point that I'm going to make. He commends them. He said, your faith is well. You're standing fast in the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 3. You're standing fast. You're holding fast to the Lord. That means you're steadfast in your faith. But then he says something that bewilders me a little bit. He writes and he compliments them. He said, your faith is well. Because you're standing fast, you're standing firm in the Lord. Meaning you're living a steady, you're, you're not double-minded in your faith in Christ. You're standing firm. You're not letting go of the hope that's in Christ. He said, you're standing fast in your faith. Then he says this in three. He said, but I still want to come to you. Listen to what he says. He commends them for doing well. He talks about their faith, that they're standing fast in Jesus and not letting go. But then he said something that just left me scratching my head. He said, but I still want to come to you. You figured he would say, well, I hear you're doing well. Why come to you? But he said, Timothy said, you're doing well, that you're walking in faith. What convinced Timothy that they were walking in the faith, because Timothy told Paul, because they're steadfast in the Lord. You can't be steadfast in the Lord unless you're steadfast in the gospel. And if you're steadfast in the gospel, that means you're keeping it. But then he said that, and he said something else. He said, but I'm longing for the day that I come to you, that I may perfect your faith. He says, your faith, you're doing well. He's commending them. He said, but I still want to come to you to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Think about it. He commends their faith. And he said, but I still want to come to you to perfect your faith. Do you see the image that I'm trying to, to build? They received the word and much affliction. They were going through it. Chapter 2, they were being shamefully entreated. They were being treated bad, man. Bad. Possibly killed. Even in chapter 3, he said, but I hear that you're steadfast in the Lord. I hear your faith is well. 
But when I hear this, I still want to come to you to perfect that which is still lacking in your faith. What could be lacking in their faith? Be committed to their faith and say you're hanging on to Jesus. It just goes to show, my friends, that our love walk, it always abounds. It never flatlines. We're always progressing in the love of God. Always progressing in the love of God. I might go to chapter 4 and 5 later, but let's go to 2 second, second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we're going to get into the meat. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I asked Kirsten to come up and read what I'm going to go over to an extent. So Kirsten, come on up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And Kirsten is going to share with you what we're going to uh, teach line upon line. 2 Thessalonians 1 chap- uh, verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for seeing which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said? Okay. You have to know Thessalonians, the first book to understand Second Thessalonians. So remember now, they're going through the mill. They've accepted Jesus Christ and they're facing some severe persecution. Severe. For Paul to write that you received the word in much affliction, wouldn't you agree with me that they were going through some persecution? For Paul to write that, because Paul was not a whiner. So here you have it, starting in, in, in verse 3. Bear with me, please. He said, I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm going to quote it the best that I can, but that's why I had Kirsten read it twice, so you can go back and look at it yourself. But I'm going to paraphrase and exhort this, because I'm not going to spend all my time trying to memorize it just to sound and articulate it well in front of you. But I will give you the image in context. Amen. So he said, give thanks to God for you. For your faith, listen, your faith grows exceedingly. Listen to what he said. I'm going to give God thanks for you because your faith is growing exceedingly. And the charity for one another is abounding. He said, church, Thessalonica, I know you're being persecuted for your faith. I know some of you may be being martyred and killed for your faith, but it's amazing, church, Thessalonica, that I hear that some of you are growing in faith. 
and that, listen to this now, and that your charity for one another, it's abounding. You're growing in faith. You're growing in love while you're being persecuted for your faith in Christ. We know nothing about that yet in the USA. I heard a prominent member of Congress say the other day, I'm not going to say who. He said, the will of God means nothing to Congress. That is evident. <laughs> that is evident. Here Paul's saying, you're growing in faith exceedingly. You are, charity is the word love. Your, your charity for one another, it abounds. So I'm going to give God thanks for you and for the churches. For all the patience and what? Patience and faith. Patience and faith for every tribulation, every persecution that ye what? Endure. He said, you're growing in faith. You're growing in love. We're going to give God thanks for you and the churches because you're growing in patience and faith in every tribulation and persecution that you're going through. You are enduring it. Now we have to get out of our Christian mind and bubble to see what the writer's saying here. He said, you're enduring tribulation. You're enduring persecution. He didn't say you're overcoming the bottle. He didn't say, I commend you because you're not cheating on your wife. That's not what he's saying. He's commending them because they're standing firm in the Lord. The United States, see, the church, we can't, we can't judge the world. We can't judge unbelievers. That is biblical. But we can judge the church. The church, Christians want to judge the world. If people that are not born again walk in this church, you can't talk to them the way that you talk to a Christian. The sinner, the non-believer, has to know that we love him. But Christians want to rip the world's head off. They want to judge the world. The, the world is not the problem. The church is the problem. The church of God is, the sinner is not the problem. The church has gotten weak. We are the problem. We don't have the grit and the fortitude in general. In general. That they did in Thessalonica. He said, you received the word in much affliction. And this is the flick, and in this affliction, your faith is growing and your charity is growing. You're, going, you're growing in patience. You're growing in faith in every tribulation and persecution that you endure. You are growing. He didn't tell them you're doing good because you're not drinking. He didn't tell them you're doing good because you're not cheating on your taxes. He said you're enduring. You're living for Jesus even when you might be facing death. Now, this message is to the church. We can't judge the world. If, if I invited Sarah, Harry and Sarah to church with me today and they weren't born again, they didn't know Jesus, I can't judge them according to the Bible. Now, if Kirsten and Terry got tore up drinking at a bar last night, I can judge them if I'm not doing it. But I can't judge Harry. He don't know Jesus. But I can introduce Harry to Jesus in love. I can reprimand them, not them. 
The church has missed it. They've missed it. That's why the world wants nothing to do with the church because we do not know our Bible. We have no concept of what God's true word says. I do because I hear it all day long. I don't have a degree. I've never been to seminary, but I pray in the Holy Ghost. And I know that we can't judge the world. We can judge each other in the, in the, in the body of Christ. So Paul says, your faith is growing exceedingly. Your love for each other, your charity is abounding. So that we give thanks to God and the churches for you and your patience and faith in all your tribulations and persecutions which ye endure. One step further. He said, you're going through tribulations and persecutions. And you're enduring them. Now the fruit of enduring tribulations and persecutions is you're growing exceedingly. Your charity, your love walk is abounding. Because you endured, you endured tribulation and persecution. You stood your ground. And you are standing your ground. And proof that you are standing your ground is you're growing in faith and you're abounding in love. That's pretty cut and dry, right? The next verse, he said, it is an evident token of the, listen carefully, an evident, no, a what is it? Evident token, manifest, a manifest token of the righteous, listen, a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Listen. This completely is going to debunk the once saved, always saved doctrine. Listen to what he says. He says, you're growing in faith. You're growing in love. You're going through trials and tribulations, and you're enduring them. Fruit of enduring those trials is you're growing in faith, and you're growing in love. Listen to what he says next, which is a manifest token or manifested proof of the righteous judgment of God. He's talking to the church now. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God in which you also suffer. What does that sound like to you? That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. It means that if you're not counted worthy of the kingdom of God, you're not suffering. And if you're not suffering for the kingdom of God, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God on that last day. You see, it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God by which you also suffer. Next verse. Start it for me someone. Being it is a righteous thing for God to what? To recompense. Excuse me. Yes, it is a righteous thing for God to recompense. Listen to this. This is where the endurance is. This is where the endurance is. This is what Paul is. It. This is the endurance. This is how we know now if they're going through the mill because of their faith in Christ. It's happening through who? Through what? 
what is Satan using to beat up on these saints? He's using what? What is it? Say it again. Who said it? What's that? Okay, but what is he using in that tribulation? Who killed Jesus? Satan did ultimately, but people. So Satan is using people. Listen now. He said, your faith is growing. Your love is abounding in tribulation and persecutions that you endure. He said, but I, I give God glory for you and for the churches, for the patience and faith for all the tribulations and persecutions that you endure. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God by the which ye also suffer. Seeing, seeing, this is the endurance. Seeing is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to those that trouble you. And to you that are troubled, rest with us. Here is the endurance part. This is what we have to understand. He said, you are going through a hard time. From who? People. The Bible, the word trouble in the Greek means they're being thronged. That means they're being vexed. That means they're being evil, sought out. That means they're, people want them dead, man. They don't want them alive. People are hating on these Christians. They're killing Christians. They want, like Hitler, one of the Jews off of the world, trust me, that days going to come where a certain portion of our government is going to do away with Christianity. I can see it in the makings already. I can see that they're going to want to do away with us. But they can't take away the life of God inside of me. But Paul is writing here, man, I'm... I glory in God for you, man. Your faith is growing. Your love abounds. You're, you're, you're growing in patience. You're growing in faith in every tribulation and persecution that you endure. How do you know, Paul, that they were enduring? What talked you into or what, what did you base? What did you come up with in your mind that they were enduring tribulation and persecution? What made you? What made you decide that the saints in Thessalonica were enduring? What did you see? What did you hear, Paul? See, it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you would be counted worthy of the kingdom of God by the which you also suffer. Listen, seeing, same subject, same context, seeing, is a righteous thing with God. Listen, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble to those that what? Trouble you. And to you that are being troubled, rest with what? With us. He's commending them. Your faith is growing. Your love is abounding. You're going through trials. You're going through tribulations. But you're growing. You're loving more. 
and because you're loving more and because you're growing and because you're the word endurance can mean the word grit or the word fortitude which all is the fruit of walking in love he said a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you there's something that we have to do that we would be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. People say once saved, always saved. But Paul said, you're enduring. He said that endurance is proof of the righteous judgment of God. And you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God by the which you also suffer. Well, what did we do to endure in that time of trial and tribulation and persecution. What were the saints doing during that time where they were being sought after? They were being shamefully entreated. They were being thronged after, mocked for their faith. But Paul said, you are enduring trials and persecutions. You are enduring them. Therefore, I give God glory for you and for the churches that you are growing, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Now, I would never tell you to answer a question without giving you the answer. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you would be counted worthy of the kingdom of God by the which you suffer. You're suffering for God. And you're enduring that suffering. That's proof. You'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. But what did you do to endure? I'm not going to get all the way down to verse 8. I can tell right now. It doesn't matter. He said in the next portion of scripture, it is a what? Kirsten, what did he say? It is a what? It's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation on all those. Listen to me. It's a righteous thing with God. Now listen. Listen. The God of love. It's a righteous thing with God. Those that are troubling you, you're being troubled because of your faith. It's a righteous thing with God to recompense or to pay back those that are troubling you. And to you that are being troubled by those troubling you, he said, rest with us on that day. This is what he's saying. You're being troubled. You're being thronged upon. You're being vexed. Some of you are being killed. Some of you are being beaten. Some of you are slandered. You're evil talked about. But your faith is growing. Your love is growing. Because you're growing, that means that you're walking according to who I am inside of you. And if you walk according to who Jesus is inside of you, you're walking worthy of the kingdom. If you're walking worthy of the kingdom, you're obeying Jesus Christ in you. He said, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense those that trouble you. 
And those of you that are troubled, rest with us on that day. We, or the church in Thessalonica, were in tribulation and persecution. They were being troubled for their faith in Christ. You know, side note, our government, they lack, they laugh and mock Christianity. But mostly because the church is so dang mean, man. Overall, corporately. The church doesn't have a clue. It's mocked. There's more respect in our government over Islam than there is over the Christian faith. The far, far, far progressive left, they elevate Islam. They elevate Sharia law. Sharia law has nothing to do with Christianity. Sharia law is a complete contradiction of biblical principles. Under Sharia law, a woman has to walk with a burqa covering her face. Under Sharia law, under Islamic extremists, if you're gay, we're going to throw you off of a roof and kill you. That's Sharia law. That's what the far left progressive support. They dog Christianity, but they exalt Sharia law. He's gay, she's gay, throw him off the roof, away with them. That is Sharia law. My Bible tells me the person doesn't live according to the gospel to lay down my life for them. Sharia law says kill him. Jesus says love him. I'll take Jesus for three. Sharia law says, women, you're dogs. No education, you can't work. Women are second class, you're like a dog, you're nothing. That's Sharia law. The word of God, so we're all created equal. It says a wife and the husband, they're one in Christ. Sharia law says, if you don't become a Muslim, we're going to kill you. You're an infidel. That is a way that some in the government are leaning towards Sharia law and laughing at Christianity. Well, we're called to lay down our life for people, man. I'm called to lay down my life for every single person in this world that doesn't believe in Jesus by loving the mess out of them. So the church in Thessalonica was doing something special. Out, I'm sorry, they were doing something that was expected to out of a Christian, which is unheard of nowadays. It's unheard of nowadays, but it was a norm back then. How do you know they were enduring, Homer? Paul, what did they do that caused you to realize that they were enduring? Because they were growing in faith. They were growing in charity. You said, you better suffer for the kingdom of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom. Then he says something, we're closing with this. For it is a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble 
church at Thessalonica, on those that trouble you. Means the ones that are troubling you and mocking you, they're troubling you. But church at Thessalonica, hang on to your faith. Walk according to God in you. Take no offense. Give no offense. Sell out to the gospel of the kingdom. Carry your cross. Love, 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 love. They're troubling you, but you show them while they're troubling you who I am inside of you. Now I know. Now I know why Simon Peter said, don't crucify me like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy be crucified like my Lord. There's a place that we're going to find or our lives will mean nothing to us. Somebody once said, until you find something worth dying for, you're not really living. Until you find something worth dying for, you're not really living. Doesn't that define our Savior? Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, I'm sorry, real quick, what time is anybody? 11 what? Okay, winding down. For real, Corey. We'll go back to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians real quick. Just a basic set of instruction that Paul gives to the church I'm going to paraphrase. You don't have to turn back. He said, I say to you, render no one evil for evil to no man. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Have a heart filled with thanksgiving. Paraphrasing. He gave them basic instruction in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians come before 2 Thessalonians. He said, I say to you, church in Thessalonica, don't you render evil to, listen, listen. Think out of the Christian bubble. Think outside out of your Christian friends. Think outside of those that you invite to break bread with you. He said, speak not evil of no man. So what did the church in Thessalonica, how were they handling themselves in the midst of tribulation and persecution? Paul said, speak evil of no man. That's the good and the evil. Now, it was evil men in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that was persecuting the church. Unbelievers were persecuting the church. They were murdering those in the church. They were mocking those in the church. They were shamefully entreating those in the church. But Paul said in the first letter, Thessalonica, 
You don't render evil to know, to know, to know, to know, to know, to know man. No man means no man. Think outside of your Christian bubble. Think outside of your Christian friends. He said, speak, render evil to no man, including those that want to kill you. You stand firm in the gospel. You stand firm in Christ Jesus because it is a righteous thing for me to recompense trouble to those that trouble you. If you live your life when you're being troubled like I lived my life, I'm going to recompense you. You can't recompense those that are doing evil to you. That's not your place. Your place is to lay down your life through endurance through those that hate you. The day is going to come. Don't laugh about it. Don't rejoice in it. He said, it's a righteous thing with me to recompense tribulation on those that trouble you. And to you that are troubled, rest with us on that day. There will be a day, my friends, where we won't be troubled anymore. But until that day comes, we stand firm. In the midst of tribulation and persecution, according to God in us, even if we're facing death, man, Paul said, in the word of God, you render evil to no man. And if they were growing in faith and if they were growing in love, do you think they might have been applying that verse? Amen? Do you think they might have been praying without ceasing? Do you think they might have been rejoicing always? See, it is a righteous thing, Sarah. He said, it's a righteous thing, Sarah. I know they want you dead, Sarah. I know they want you dead. They hate the stand that you're making in Christ Jesus, Sarah. You accepted me into my heart, Sarah. You accepted me into your heart, Sarah, Harry. And the world hates you. But Harry, inside of you lives a powerful operation, Harry. Stand firm in Christ in you. Because Harry, you're being troubled right now for your faith. But Harry, son, Sarah, my daughter, it is a righteous thing, Sarah, for me to recompense tribulation on those that trouble you. And to you that are troubled, rest in him. That is endurance, my friend. In tribulation and persecution, when you continue loving those that want to kill you, that's proof that you got grit and fortitude. Because if you love those that hate you, you're loving the Savior. Everything is fixed in the presence of God. 
you got a problem with somebody? Don't figure out how to fix that problem. Get into your prayer closet. Don't think about the things that you do wrong. Concentrate on the plan of redemption. Concentrate on who he is inside of you. Don't waste your time. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say this. Get in that prayer closet, man. Well, I don't like Terry. You don't like Terry? Get into your prayer closet, man. He'll fix that. I call it the place of exchange. When I wake up in the morning, I go into that place of exchange. A place where Homer is eradicated. And where life in me, the life of God in me, is magnified. Every day, my friends, I want to step closer and closer and closer to him. I want to love you like I love my grandkids and my kids. Am I where I need to be? Not really. But every day I'm getting closer. Every day I'm starting to know the Lamb of God more and more. When somebody's pressing you, see, right now we're not going through it. Right now we're living in, in, in an abundant land. You can sell your house right now, make a couple hundred grand off of it easy. It's real good. But if that has you, if that excites you, if money changes you as a son of God, you had a very weak foundation if it changes you. Listen to me. If money changes you and you've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, you had a very weak walk with Christ. In either direction, more of it or less of it. If it changes you, you're still walking in the fivefold, man. going to that place of exchange man where our weaknesses are eradicated in his presence and where his will is magnified in our hearts no matter what we go through the church in Thessalonica received the word in affliction in hatred for their faith the USA has not faced that we can't even love each other in the church in the USA. So we don't know what it's like to receive Christianity and affliction. In this country, you can cuss God all you want. You can mock God. You can burn down buildings. You can kill. You can come across the border with drugs. You can bring drugs into the country. Tons of drugs. Kill Americans. You can burn the flag. You can cuss the president. You can do whatever you want in this country. That's not a good thing. You can defund the police. You can laugh at our military. You can be an NBA player and exalt China and hate the United States. You can do that all you want on Twitter. The moment you start saying Jesus, you're a domestic terrorist. If believing that abortion is wrong and believing that this is one country under one God is wrong, then so be it. Then I am a domestic terrorist. I am your worst nightmare then.
I had a good time this morning. How about you? It is a righteous thing, Kirsten, with God to recompense tribulation on those that trouble us. And those of us that are troubled, Paul said, rest with us on that day. Not going to read the rest. It's self-explanatory. But it's not up to us to repay no one for the wrong that they've done. It's up to us to love. It's up to us to love and pray for this country, to pray for the Republican Party, to pray for the Democratic Party, to pray for Miss, uh, what's the VP's name? Kamala Harris, to pray for Mr. Biden. It's our responsibility, according to the Bible, to pray for those in authority that we may live a life of peace. Don't mock him, man. Don't mock him. Some of you don't like Mr. Trump. Don't mock him. Some of you don't like Mr. Biden. Don't mock him. If you mock, you're out of line. Study your platform, man. Study platform. Don't don't, don't, don't worry about individuals. Don't worry about personalities. Study platform. Compare platform to this. Not the culture. Compare platform to this. You'll find error with every single politician, but you will not find error in this. You will not find error in the Lamb of God. Let's live according to who he is inside of us. Amen. And Renee said, amen, partner. Say it, Renee. Okay. Stand with me, please. Did we do the offering yet, Harry? Robert, did we do that yet? Pass the buckets out, please. Guys, have a good time in Thanksgiving. Don't overindulge. Ms. Gay, do we got church Wednesday, Marty? We do got church Wednesday? Oh, oh we, we have church tonight, but not Wednesday. Okay. Church tonight, but not Wednesday. Okay? Got it. All right. Guys, I, I, I love you, man. And let's go to that place of exchange. Go to that place of exchange where let's go to that place of exchange. Amen. So, Father, we love you, we bless you, we thank you, we glorify you, we praise you. For all that you are, my Lord, forgive us, cleanse us. If we've done anything wrong, knowingly or unknowingly, cleanse us, my Lord, by the blood of the Lamb. Cleanse us, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And thank you for the beloved we thank you, Father, that it's our love and desire to spread your gospel in this world. May we go out today, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you, Lord, for those of us, for those that are going to give today. I thank you. I know for a fact, Lord, that that seed is sown on good ground, and it's well-budgeted, Father. And I thank you for all of them, Lord. I thank you for the elders that are here, the elders that are not here. I thank you for every lay person here, Father. I thank you, Father, for the beloved. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Hallelujah.